chapter 29. Thank God for our music ministry and for all of those who are serving on today. Truly, we keep all of those lifted who are going through times of bereavement. Amen. And those also who are in hospitals and rehabs, we keep them uh, lifted. First Chronicles chapter 29. Amen. Beginning at verse number 1. Amen. When you get that, say amen. amen. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, unto all the congregation, Solomon, my son, whom the Lord God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. Now I have prepared with all my might for the house of my God the gold for the things to be made of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and the brass for things of brass, the iron for things of iron, and wood for things of wood, onyx stones and stones to be set, blistering stones and the divers colors, and all manner of precious stones and marble stones in abundance. Moreover, because I have set my affection, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house houses with all, the gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers, and who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord. Then the chief of the fathers and princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds with the rulers of the kings worked off it willingly. And gave for the service of the house of God of gold five thousand talents and ten thousand drachms, and of silver ten thousand talents, and of brass eighteen thousand talents, and one hundred thousand talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehu the Gershonite. Then the people rejoiced, for they offered willingly because with precious, with perfect heart, they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Amen. Look at your neighbor, neighbor, and have a seat, neighbor. Neighbor. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. Now, neighbor. Now, neighbor. Our pastor. Our pastor. Is going to preach about. Is going to preach about. It's all about love. It's all about love. Please let those in. Thank you, ushers, for serving this day. Thank you so much. One of the best feelings in the world, without question, where Melzer is, is love. We fall into it, we seek it out, we cherish it, we share it. It's an experience and expression that everyone can understand, regardless of what language they speak or where they live, they seem to know what love, what love is. 
One thing that I have discovered that love is an action word. However, love is more than an intense feeling. It means that I, I value you. The word love is, is heavy. It's a heavy word. It means more than I like you or I have a crush on you. For like is a feeling. You make me feel good. I'm comfortable around you. On the other hand, love is a decision. Regardless of how I feel, regardless of your flaws and your failures, I'm down with you. A crush can be described as a very strong attraction towards someone. It's an infatuation for a very short period of time. A crush is usually based on a person's appearance or the way the person talks or walks or some particular behavior or it may be their anatomy. A crush like lust wants a part of you while love wants all of you. I'll say that again. A crush like lust wants a part of you while love desires all of you. Love is long lasting while a crush is short lived. Love means to be deeply committed not just simply connected but connected and committed to someone or something and so the question that I've come to raise this morning to the Great Commission family is do you like your church? Do you have a crush on your church or do you love your church? Is it simply you feel comfortable with your church so you like your church or maybe you have a crush on your church because you only really care for a particular part of your church or do you love your church? I don't just want part of it but I want all of my church because I love my church. Well, when we unpack this text this morning, we'll see what David is trying to help us to understand that it's all about love. Because the first thing, when you look at verse number one, you see the unabridged assembly. That is, he addressed the whole congregation, all the congregation, the entire assembly is present, the whole multitude. This message is for all, and the only way he could address Deacon Glenn, the entire assembly is they had to be in attendance. The only way he could address them is they had to be present and or tuned in. Too many times we have CME members and then we have DMD members. There are too many of those. Most of you know what CMEs are. They come on Christmas, Mother Day, and Easter. They come three times a year. But that DMD crowd, they come three times in their lifetime. When they are dedicated, when they get married, and then when they die. But the church where you have your membership, it deserves your consistent attendance. I wish I had a witness. It deserves your consistent and continuous attendance. The work is great, and David says we need all hands on deck because the work is great. It's a major thing that the Lord has left in our hands. This word great means that it is of high 
value. It is of great importance and kingdom work has eternal value and it is of great importance. When people's lives are being changed, souls are being saved, this is a great work that we do. It's a great work. We have a great lejean, a great opportunity, but with this great opportunity comes great obstacles and opposition. Because this work is great and we're doing it for the kingdom of God to advance the ministry and message of Jesus Christ, there is a great evil force that stands against us and opposes and tries to hinder the work we do. That's why we need all hands on deck. Tell your neighbor, we need everybody to get involved. But the problem is that so often that we don't come enough and we don't hear the message we need to hear so we can be a part of the work. It's kind of a, a, an article I read this week by Pastor Jeff White. It's called Pastor Quit Sporting Events. And he parallels this with that of our church attendance. Listen to what he says. He says, the reason some people people don't attend on a regular or they stop attending is because the coach never came to visit me. Every time I went, they asked for money. The people sitting in my row didn't seem very friendly. The referees at the games, Deacon Davis made decisions I didn't agree with. I was sitting with hypocrites. The only They only came to see what people were wearing. Some games went into overtime and I got home late. The band played songs I never heard before. The games are scheduled on my only day to sleep in and run errands. My parents took me to too many games when I was growing up. I don't want to take my children because I want them to choose for themselves what sporting event they like best. Listen, if your church attendance paralleled with your work attendance, would you still have a job? I just thought I'd ask you that question. If your child's school attendance paralleled with their church attendance, would they be able to advance to the next grade? And while I'm here, let me raise this question. Why is it that your child has no option to go to school on Monday morning, but when it comes to Sunday, they do have an option? What about church? What about church? David addressed the entire congregation. He addressed Malik, everybody in the crowd, because he understood that the work was great, and he they were leaving a legacy for the next generation, and they the next generation needed to know how great the work was, but they're not going to know how great the work is if they're never in attendance on a regular basis. All I've tried to say is if you are a member of the Great Commission Baptist Church or wherever you have your membership, you ought to be there on a regular basis. You can't be there every time the door opens, but you ought to come on a regular and consistent basis. He addresses the whole congregation. It's almost like when there's a football game going on and they have a thing called a huddle before the 
play is ran. It wouldn't it be crazy if you got the wide receiver hanging out at the concession stand and he's never in the huddle, but now when the play is getting ready to be ran, he doesn't know what direction to go and it causes the whole team to be hindered and their progress to be hindered because somebody's out of place. God has gifted you. He has placed you here at the Great Commission Church and we need you to be in the huddle on the regular so we can make some progress for the kingdom. Because the work is great, the work is great. But then David says, not only do we need the assembly, but he says, notice the undeniable affection in verses 2 through 5. David desires to build a house for God. This is a great and honorable desire. However, God in his sovereign will and in his purpose wanted David's son Solomon to build the house. He didn't want David to build it. He wanted Solomon to build it. David is giving all of these resources to build this house, but God says, David, you're not going to build it. I want your son Solomon to build it. David could have gotten mad and started to powder, could have thrown up his hands and said, forget it. If I can't be in charge of this project, if I can't build it, I'm done. Let Solomon figure it out. They don't need my advice or my resources. David was going to give to build a house of worship that he would never attend. He is giving to build a house of worship that other people are going to benefit from his investment into the house of God. David said, what is it? He could have said, what is it in for me? He wouldn't have given one dime to see that house build, but David's heart was in it. I want to invest in the work of God anyway, even though I'm not out front, I won't be in charge, I'm not going to oversee it. David says, I'm going to give because my heart is in this thing. My heart is toward the house of God. My investment is not temporal, but it has eternal dividends in the house of God. The word will be preached. Souls will be saved. Lives will be changed. Notice what he said in verse 1. The temple is not for man, but the temple is for the Lord our God. Whatever we build, if it's a building, if it's a ministry, we've got to do it in such a way, realize that it's not for man, but it's for God. That's why we give it our best. That's why we do it with a spirit of excellence because we understand that what we're doing is not for man but it is for the Lord. David, what David gave that day, he gave, it's estimated in the billions. It's not what he gave, but it's why he gave. Because we can't all give the same thing, but we can give. He says, my affection, my desire, my delight, my devotion is to the house of my God. One translation, Jack says, because my heart is in this. Another says, because I want to. Nobody 
made me do it. This is something I want to do because my heart is into it. When I think about all that he has given me and all he's done for me, I want to do this. Nobody is twisting my arm. Nobody is coercing me. Nobody is threatening me. Nobody is trying to make me feel guilty. No, I'm doing it because I want to. David gave to the house of God because he loved God and he loved God's house. So I've got a question for everybody in the house. It ain't for your neighbor, it's for you. I want to ask, matter of fact, a series of questions. Do you love God's church? Do you love the church that you are a member of or do you simply have a crush? on the church. I'm not asking do you love me or do you love these deacons or these ministers or life group leaders. I'm not asking do you love the choir, the youth ministry or whatever ministry you're a part of but do you love your church? Now don't answer too quickly because I want to say to you gently, lovingly but hear me firmly. I want to say to you gently, lovingly but firmly you have no right to say you love God's church if you're not giving to it and supporting it financially with your tithes and offerings. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. I think I'll say that again. I told you I'm saying it gently but lovingly, but I got to say it firmly. You have no right to say you love God's church if you're not giving to it and supporting it financially with your tithes and offerings. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. Sure, I can, Pastor. I give, I give my time. I give myself. Spirit, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and if Jesus would give his life for the church, if he was a member here today, if he gave his life, he sure would have a problem giving his time. Because if you do support this church financially, I've got a question for you. Why do you do it? Why do you do it? I want you to understand that God not only sees what you give, but he sees why you give it. And even if you give generously, you if you give for the wrong motive and the wrong reason, God writes zero on your account. If you give to this church so you can get a break on your income tax, wrong reason. If you give to this church only when you agree with everything that goes on wrong reason. If you give to this church only when things are going your way, wrong reason. If you give for any other reason than your love for Jesus Christ and this church you're giving for the wrong reason. And let me tell you this when you withhold from the church you withhold from Jesus. When you quit giving to the church you quit giving to Jesus. When you refuse to help the church you refuse to help the Lord Jesus. Where do I get that idea from? Trust me, baby, it's in the Bible. Acts chapter 9, verse 4. Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? Saul was persecuting the church, but Jesus said, what you do to the church, you're doing it to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? Anything you do to hurt the church, he says, it hurts me. And when you don't support your church, you're not supporting him. When 
when you don't give to your church, you're not giving to him. When you don't love your church like you ought to, you don't love him like you ought to. Look at your bank statement. And when you look at your bank statement, it will tell you what's really important to you and what you really care about. Amazingly, we can spend hundreds, hundreds of dollars on weekend getaways, going out to eat the Papados and Lobster Fest and Red Lobster or wherever you go to Charleston's. You ain't got no problem with that. But listen, you struggle to place a few dollars in the offering basket on Sunday. The issue is not the amount. It's your attitude. The issue is not your finance. It's your faith. I wish I had a witness. When we see ourselves as the source of all we have, we'll see no need to give back to the one who gave to us in the first place. But when I realize he is the source of all I have, and the only reason I have what I have, because he gave it to me in the first place. If you keep on reading to around verse 14, David says, Lord, who are we? Who am I? And who are these people that we offered so willingly to you when it came from your hand in the first place? And when you realize and recognize everything you got, spiritual blessing, material blessing, it came by the hand of the Lord. And ain't no way I can be an Ebenezer Scrooge with the one that keeps blessing me every time I turn around. Tell your neighbor, yes, he does. I know where it came from. I know where it came from. David gave for one reason. He had set his affection to the house of God. Whatever you do for the church, do it because you love the Lord. Do it because you love him. If you're going to sing, do it because you love him. If you're going to usher, do it because you love him. If you're going to preach, do it because you love him. Whatever you do, do it because you love the Lord Jesus Christ and him only am I doing it for. I want him to get the glory. I'm not the star. Don't want to be the star, but I want to keep pointing people to the true light. That is the savior of the world. Listen, I wish I had some help up in here, but listen, David says the whole assembly needs to be present, but then there needs to be uh, some some undeniable devotion. I've set my affection toward the house of God because wherever my heart is, my treasure will be there also. I wish I had somebody. And I know I'm going to get some emails. Uh, and I know I'm going to get some crazy looks. Uh, I told my wife, you might have to escort me up out of here. But listen, I ain't worried about that. No way. But listen, all I'm trying to tell you is this. Uh, if you love him, uh, you will give to him uh, more than what you want to give. Uh, you will give what he's asked you and told you to give. I wish I had some Notice the unadulterated allegiance. There was no begging, no trying to convince the other people to give. They offered freely, willingly, and joyfully. They, they, they seemed to say, you know what, if we can give everywhere else, 
Why can't we give to what we say we love? They, they, they partnered with David to get the work done. As a part of the assembly, there was no forsaking their duty. The word forsake, it means to neglect, to let go, to desert, to give up, to abandon. It is often used as a mean word as, as suggesting that you're leaving something or someone behind when they really need you. And so David was saying in verse 1, this work is great. He said, we really need you to help us do the work. Listen, the work is great. We've done a lot in 35 years. But the work is great. And we need you. We need the gift that God has placed in you. We need your talent. We need your ability. We need your financial support. We need you. But it's also possible, listen, to come to church every Sunday and still neglect the church. Because there are some who come to church just to be coming. They don't give, work, serve, sing, witness, worship, or pray. They don't stand, clap, rock, or never part their lips. Now don't misunderstand me. Don't misunderstand me. I want you to come. I thank God that you come. I'm glad that you come. I'm simply saying that it is possible to come to church and still neglect the church. I want you to do what you do in, in when you go to other places, when you go to concerts, you don't sit there stale and statuous and all stoic looking. No, you get involved. You get involved. You stand, you clap, you start singing the song with the people on the stage. And then they stop singing and point the mic at you. And you start really singing like you on stage. You get involved. Involved. You get involved when you go to sporting events. You stand up and you high five and you got so much energy and enthusiasm. You are excited. You start clapping. You cheering your favorite team. You applauding, giving standing ovations to your favorite players. You get involved when you go to an amusement park. You having a good time. You ride roller coasters and you ride and you cheering and you laughing and you're having fun when you go to parties you out on the dance floor you doing your two step you slow dancing you swinging out you having a good time laughing with friends well I want you to do the same thing when you come to church look at your neighbor and lean over and tell them say you gonna get involved you got to get involved get involved if you can go to a concert and get up and sing songs with Frank and Beverly you ought to be able to be feeling something with spirit of worship said he's a promise keeper a light in darkness he's a miracle worker, that ought to move you more than Frankie Bentley singing joy and pain. I wish I had somebody here. Listen, when you go to a sporting event, you're cheering. When you think about the victories, the victories that the Lord has brought to pass in your life, the valleys, he's seen you through the mountains, he's brought you over the storms, he's seen you through. You ought to be cheering and and say, yeah, that's 
my Jesus right there. He brought me out. He made a way. He's a miracle worker. Yes, I know what you're talking about. When you go to a party, you up dancing. Ain't nothing wrong with dancing. In church, you would do a little two-step. You know how to do the holy dance. You run if you want to. Little Sister Turner, you can shout, but you ought to feel something when you come. I wish I had somebody here. You ought to get involved and not simply come up here and act like the Lord ain't done nothing. He's not doing nothing. Listen, listen, listen. You got people in the church. They neglect the church also by not caring. They don't care. They'll remember, but they don't care. They come, but they don't care. They don't care if anybody gets saved. Don't care if anybody gets baptized. Don't care if the church grows. Don't care if anybody grows in faith. Don't care if any ministry gets done. It just simply makes no difference to them. But they say, I'm a member of the Great Commission Church. In every church I have, you have, there is 100% of willing people. 100% of willing people, some willing to work, and the rest are just simply willing to let the other ones do the work. But you got 100% of willing people. You know what they call, I call them, they are hitchhikers, DD. they're hitchhikers. Hitchhikers always got their hand out. Hitchhikers always got their hand out trying to get a ride. A hitchhiker is somebody who travels in somebody else's vehicle. They get a free ride and someone else is expense. They're just going along for the ride. There's no contribution because there's no commitment. There's no help with the maintenance, the gas, or the driving. They're just going along for the ride. And when it's your car, I understand when it's your car, you're responsible for the gas, the maintenance, the driving, and the upkeep of that vehicle. So I got a question. Is this my car or is it your car? Is this my church or is it your church? Because if it's your church and you a member here, you got a responsibility to help with the maintenance, the gas, and the driving. I wish I had somebody here. If it ain't yours, I understand why you just going along for the ride. But when it's yours, and when there's a commitment, there'll be some type of contribution. And what we need in the church, we need more members to simply love their church. But not just love it, but love it the way God loves the church. God loves the church sacrificially. He gave his only begotten son for the church. Jesus loved the church. He laid down his life willingly for the church. They gave sacrificially, but God loves the church unconditionally. He loves the church when it's pleasing with him, and he loves the church when it doesn't please him. God loves his church eternally. He'll never stop loving his church. Regardless of what happens, he's not going to stop loving his church. So the question is, where is the love? Where is the love? Music Soul Child said, love. Too many people have used your name in vain. I got a question. Do you like your church? Do you have a crush on your church? Or do you love your church? Do you like it? Have a crush? Or do you love it? I don't know about y'all, but yes, there been some ups and downs. But I can say for all these years I've been here, I love my church. I love my church. I don't just love the deacons. I love all of y'all. I don't just love the music ministry. I love all of y'all. I love everything about this church. I love the building. 
ministries. I love the grounds outside. I love the instruments. I love the furniture. I love everything up in here. And the reason I love everything in here, because this is God's house. And I love him because he first loved me. I wish I had a witness. Yes! It's all about love. I'm going to extend the invitation.